and the praise and the Lord is so wonderful. I'm telling you, the Lord is just so wonderful. Serving Jesus is the greatest privilege in life. And what a wonderful Lord to give us that privilege to serve him, to be called his own, his children, and his servants, his beloved. He calls us beloved. Isn't that precious? Today I continue by talking about how do we win our loved ones, family, friends, neighbors to the Lord. And I'm going to show you today, and then I'm going to finish it tomorrow, like how do you approach them? How do you begin a conversation with them that will lead them to salvation? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your word, your promises to save our loved ones. And Lord, I pray today that you will speak to each heart, let them see what your word says about reaching them with your power and love. In Jesus' mighty name, and God's people said, Amen and Amen. And I thank you for being my wonderful partner and my wonderful friend. And I'm looking forward to having a very special, soon a very special, once a week, eventually, but to begin with, we're going to start once every two weeks. A very special service every week on Zoom. I am really looking forward to that. Where I can teach you the word and see you. You know, wouldn't it be wonderful? I mean, I'm teaching you the word now daily, but I don't see you. Wouldn't it be great to see each other? And that will begin, God willing, sometimes in October. So get ready for it. And we're going to start with once every two weeks and then once each week. So I'll be with you daily like this and then one day live on Zoom. And of course on all the other platforms because Zoom is limited to only 20 people. But I think it would be wonderful to do that. Okay, now let's go to Romans chapter 10. And remember what I said to you yesterday. How the Lord spoke to us in Matthew 7 and says, Don't call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things I command you. And the only ones that will be accepted on that day are those who do the will of my Father. Because many will, will come in that day saying, Lord, Lord, we've, we've seen miracles, we've prayed for the sick, we prophesied, and you say to him, I don't know you. And then he said something powerful. He, he said, except those who do the will of my Father. The will of the Father we know from 1 Timothy 2, verse 3 and 4 is, He is not willing that any should perish. He wants us to serve Him by telling the world about Jesus, the Gospel. And I'll never forget, I shared that with you yesterday, how Franklin Graham gave me a fabulous piece of counsel years ago. He said, if you'll focus on souls, God will focus on you. And how true that is. You know, so let's look at Romans chapter 10 and and we're going to see how important this is to God. You know, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 13. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher. Now that's quite simple, isn't it? So, 
God already has, <coughs> has planned that whosoever will call upon the name of Jesus will be saved. But how will they know to call? How will they know to call on the Lord's name to be saved? Unless someone says you can call and then they can believe it. And how can they believe if they don't hear it? And how can they hear it unless someone tells them? That's you and that's me. And we are preachers. We're all preachers. Look, I told you, I'll tell you again. Every one of you is called. Second Timothy chapter 1, 8 and 9 says, and I showed you, we are called with a holy calling. Every one of us has a calling into the ministry. You don't have to be a preacher. The, the air is blowing so bad on me here, it makes me cough, but I'm fine. Anyways, <clears throat> you don't have to be a preacher to be called. You are a child of God and we're all called to serve our precious Lord. Now, the Bible shows us how important all this is to God. <clears throat> In 2 Corinthians, let's go to 2 Corinthians and let's go to chapter 5. And let's go to verse 9. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done. Everything all right? Can I keep going? Okay. Yeah, if you can just shut that air for me, I thank you. According that he hath done in his body, whether good or bad. So the Bible makes it clear. Thank God, dear Chad is coming to... Sh oh, thank you, Chad, for shutting the air. It was really getting cold here. <laughs> and this is Florida, you know. This is what's supposed to be cold. nice and, and warm. But dear, dear Chad, he put the, I have two systems here and a third one from up top. And sometimes it gets really cold in here. All right, so... The Bible says, we labor. Whether present or absent, we want to be accepted of the Lord. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body. So God places amazing importance on soul winning. Maybe we don't hear much about it, you know, in our day to day. I don't know if that's totally true everywhere. But it's kind of rare back in the 70s and the 80s, that's all you heard. Now it's kind of, you know, people don't talk about it, but I felt it's time to remind everyone how important this is to the Lord. And the Lord is about to return, and we all want to be accepted in His sight. Ezekiel 33, verse 4, Whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet, and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. Now, I want to keep reading because this is so important. Ezekiel 33, 4 to verse 8. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that takes warning shall deliver his soul. Watch this now. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, 
if the sword come and take away or take any person from among them, he's taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. That is frightening. That we need to warn people. And if we don't, they'll perish, but their blood will be on our hands, the Bible says. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked, if you don't speak to tell him his way, that wicked man will die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand, at your hand. That to me is so important that we understand this is God's heart here. I mean, he wants you and I to share the gospel with people everywhere. And if we neglect to do this, we could very well get rejected ourselves. I showed it to you there in Matthew. Don't call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I told you. Ezekiel 3.17. And you know, this is something so simple. God is not asking us to do something difficult. And what a privilege. What a privilege. The angels cannot preach the gospel. Only you and I can preach the gospel. Ezekiel 3.17. Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you will surely die. And you don't give him that warning. You don't warn the wicked from his way to save his life. That wicked man will die. His blood will I require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked and he will not turn from his wickedness, he will die in his iniquity. But you've delivered your soul. Lord Jesus, what an amazing privilege you've given us to tell the world about your blessed salvation. Mark 16, very familiar to, I'm sure, many of you. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is Mark 16:15. We are given a command Now, I know there are times when the enemy will fight us. There are times when he will resist us. In 1 Thessalonians 2.18, even Paul said that this happened with him. So he said, Wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. 1 Thessalonians 2.18. Because, you see, the enemy wants to keep your loved ones and other people blinded. He, you know, he doesn't want them to see the light of the gospel. So in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 and 4, it says, For our gospel, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, 
who is the image of God, should shine unto them. But we preach not ourselves, verse 5 says, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And then in verse 6 it says, For God who commands the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Meaning, we have that light in us and we must share it. But God who commands, I'm reading verse 6, 2 Corinthians 4. But God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. There is light in your life today that must be shared. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, or it means in the person of Jesus Christ, meaning that we, his representative, are presenting him to the unbeliever. And then it it calls this a treasure. But this we have, this treasure in an earthen vessel. Wow. The treasure, it's called the gospel. You know, people have used this uh, verse, I think, wrongfully at times, not realizing what the treasure is. The treasure is the gospel. Because that's what he's been talking about the whole, you know, the whole time here. But we have this treasure, this light in us, the gospel, in an earthen vessel, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Isn't that precious? Wow. Now, you may feel, well, you know, I don't have much to give. I am too busy. I, I, I don't have the time for it. Well, here's, here's what the, the Bible has to say to you if you feel that. For who had despised the day of small things? Don't ever despair just because you have little to give. The little you give is much. The sinner needs even the little you give is a lot. Just to say Jesus loves you. Just to say God has sent his son to die for you. How simple is that? We can talk to our neighbors, people we work with. You know, I remember Bob Tadman and those kids in high school when I was young. Every day they would tell me Jesus loves you. Every day. And for about a year I ignored them. I thought they were all crazy, to be honest with you. Before I got saved, kids in my school and in my class who were born again talked to me about Jesus every day in school. And I wanted to run away from them. But finally, God got through to me. I would not be here today if, 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 if these young people were not determined to tell me about Jesus. And everywhere I would see them, I'd say, oh no, here they come again. And I call them Jesus freaks. Can you believe it? But here I am because of dear, dear Bob Tedman and his dear wife, Lorraine, and a young lady named Michelle and others. There were about seven or eight of them. I would not be sitting here talking if it wasn't for these kids, young people. I was young too. 
I got saved when I was 19. I thank God. I thank you, Jesus. They didn't give up on me. Even though they knew I didn't like, you know, like uh, hearing any, you know, anything from them, I avoided them so much. But here I am. And somebody out there is waiting for you. I'm telling you, someone out there is waiting for you. The Bible says this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world and then the end will come. There are some sweet people from Nigeria I know that walk, you know, in places like, you know, like Tibet and the Himalayas and some rough places they go to and they, they go into villages and just preach the gospel. I was taken one time to a place in just outside Durban, South Africa. It was like a little village of Zulus. And they, they, they were all living in these huts at the time. And many of them, I think, still do in that part anyways. And dear Fred Roberts said, we're going to go preach the gospel today to the Zulus. And I did not really know that this, this was just in the open, like you just show up, you know. So we walk in, and they're all sitting inside their huts on a hot day. And some old man was sitting there doing something. I can't remember what, what he was doing. He was just staring at us. He was sitting on some little can or something. And Fred said, start talking. I said, to who? He said, they're, they're in their huts. They can hear you. He said, as soon as you start talking, they will come out. I said, okay. And I, it was kind of a strange experience for me to just start talking and nobody's there except that old man sitting on that little, little thing he was sitting on. And Fred said, Pastor Fred Roberts says, well, start talking. Start preaching. Okay, here we go. I never saw a thing like it in my life. As I began talking, they began coming out of the little, little huts, little things that they had like this. And as, as I kept talking, more people kept coming and more people kept coming and more people kept coming till everybody in that little place, in that little town or village or whatever you want to call it, came out of their huts. And they sat on the ground and just looked at me and listened. And I'll never forget, Chad, one of the witches came out. Whatever you call those those people there. She was dressed with all weird stuff. What do you call those? Yeah, witch doctor. Witch doctor, witch doctor. She came out with all the little... Things, you know, like uh, things that she, she had on her hair. She looked at me. I'm telling you, I could see the devil through that girl. Oh, she was, she was so angry. And the devils began manifesting out of her, but it didn't stop me. I kept preaching because I saw, oh, wow. Satan knew that he did not want them to hear the gospel. He's that mind-blinding devil. But they heard the gospel that day. Oh, it was such a glorious day for me. I've never, for, for, never forgotten it. I'm sitting on Eastern Airlines one time. And, you know, I always waited for that door to open. And like I said to you yesterday, always wait for the door to open. That's why he that winneth souls is wise. We have to use wisdom. Like Paul the, uh, the Apostle, you know, he did not preach to the jailer till the earthquake happened. Open the door. He didn't preach to those people on the ship with him when he... When that ship, you know, drowned, uh, when that ship, I should say, broke in the, in the sea, that shipwreck, till they got on the island and they saw the miracles. 
So we always have to wait for that right moment. And and on the planes, when I used to fly years ago by myself, I'd sit there reading my Bible and coloring my Bible. And the gentleman that was sitting next to me, and they would always ask me, what do you do for a living? And then they gave me an open door to begin talking. So I didn't start the conversation. They would begin. But I was there marking my Bible on the plane and all that. Oh, it was such joy for me. Oh, what glorious days I had back then. And I still have them today. But today, you know, Chad flies with me and, you know, he's sitting there. So people that, you know, are across the way. But we actually have spoken to a number of them on the plane still even to this day. But in those days, it happened all the time. I'd sit by, by some unbeliever and he'd look at me marking my Bible. And, you know, eventually he would ask me a question. This man sat next to me. And he began talking to me. He said, you know, he said, can I talk to you? I said, yes. He said, I see you're quite religious. I said, yes, sir. I said, I love the Lord. You know, but I didn't say no to him. I just said yes, because I knew what he meant. And I said, I, I said, I'm just reading my Bible. He said, you know, he said, I knew someone during the war in Korea that was just like you. And he began talking about his friend and how when the Chinese attacked, his friend got killed. He said, you know, he said, I still have a page of the Bible he had in his hand because the whole Bible was blown up with him when they attacked in in Korea, in South Korea, during the Korean War. And then I looked, I said, can I read you something from the Bible? Because I could tell he was ready. Can I tell you something from the Bible? Because he had just told me how his friend would always witness to him during the war and how he ignored it. And I began reading Psalm 91 and he begins crying and says out loud to me, he says, that's the page I have. That's the page I have. That's the only page that was left from his Bible when the Chinese attacked. And I led him to the Lord that day. He left beaming with joy. I will never forget that dear man when we landed in Atlanta, Georgia on Eastern Airline, Old Airline. He walked out of that plane, gloriously born again, his face beaming with the glory of God. You never know whom God will lead you to. Tomorrow, I'll be in the car, and I'll be also still teaching. So be looking for me tomorrow. I I, I have to go to Orlando tomorrow. Anyways, I'm going to share share with you how to approach them. But let me let me say one thing to you today. Jesus began with a question. Do you remember when he sat at the well in Shechem, Shechem, uh, today's Nablus? In John chapter four, let's 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 look at at that real quickly. The Lord knew how to get, how to weigh, you know, how to really open their their hearts. So, in John four. And verse 7, I think when when we begin a, a conversation with someone, it's always good to begin with a question. There it says, Then cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Wow. He was asking for water. And then later, she asked him a question. She said, how is it that you speak to a woman of Samaria? And it, be, and be, it began the whole conversation. But he begins with asking for something. Give me to drink. Sometimes 
A question is the greatest way we can begin a conversation. Tomorrow, I'm going to continue. And I want you to share this with your friends because I'm going to be giving you some amazing tips from the Word of God. But you know what? I have a few more minutes. Maybe I can give you some of it right now. When God opens that door, the number one question I think you can begin with, do you know that Jesus loves you? That is, I think, the greatest question to begin with. Now, maybe you've done this already, but that's what those kids did in that school with me. Do you know that Jesus loves you? Benny, Jesus loves you. They came at me every day. Finally, they got through. That question has fire in it. Fire in it. Because, see, there are times when that person is depressed or he's thinking about his troubles or she's thinking about her troubles. And when you ask the question, do you know Jesus loves you? The Holy Spirit begins to use that fire and begin burning slowly in their hearts and that fire builds and builds and builds till one day they, they say, tell me more. Another question. Do you know your sins are forgiven? I think that's the second question we need to ask when they respond to, do you know Jesus loves you? Do you know your sins are forgiven? Why is that important? Because everyone knows he's not, something is wrong there, you know. Even if they deny it, even if they deny it. Everyone knows they need help with something in their life. There's a bondage there, they are not, they haven't talked about. There's some darkness there they haven't talked about. Even though they may deny it, say, oh, I'm not a sinner. If you just bring that, do you know Jesus has forgiven your sins? Your sins are forgiven? Do you, do you know God offers you life eternal? Because everybody, you know, thinks about death. So here are the three questions to start with. Do you know Jesus loves you? Do you know that your sins are forgiven? And do you know he, God offers you life eternal? And then you can tell them how they can be free from that sin. Because they have to accept that forgiveness. They have to accept that love. They have to accept that life eternal. Or it says, as, as many as received him. So even though the price has been paid for their forgiveness, they cannot be forgiven till they accept it by accepting Jesus. I'm going to tell you a lot more tomorrow and give you a lot of beautiful scriptures. There's so many of them. And then I'm going to, I'm going to deal with uh, how to deal with uh, those that have difficulties. Like what to say to individuals who say, oh, I'm just too great of a sinner or I, I don't think I can hold on or I don't think I can live the Christian life or I'm afraid because I'll be persecuted or it's going to hurt my business, or I'm going to lose friends and family. How to deal with all that? I'm going to talk all about that tomorrow. I'm going to give you answers to questions that you may hear from them. How do you respond to these big headlines? All right, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name I pray that you'll speak to them so beautifully, so powerfully, Lord. Make that one a soul winner. 
Lord, make that someone listening to me a soul winner before you return in Jesus' mighty name. That, Lord, you'll be so proud of that one, proud of all of us on that day, and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord, we want to please you always for your glory. And God's people said amen and amen. All right. It's time to give. It's time to sow seed. It's time to tell Jesus how much we love him. And I think one of the greatest things we can do is show him that we love him. Show him when we give. You know, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 8, he said, prove the sincerity of your love to the church. Prove your love by giving to the Lord's work. Because love is something you do, you know. So it's time we sow seed so the gospel can go around the world. It's time we give so we can be blessed financially and see our own lives and family blessed financially and our future protected from some harm that will come down the road. And the Bible is clear. In due time, you will reap if you don't faint. So never give up. Keep giving and keep believing. And water that seed with praise. Water that seed with expectation and praise. Praise has tremendous power. Lord, bless them, I pray, as they sow into your work. Reward them greatly, I pray, in Jesus' wonderful and glorious name. And God's people said, Amen and Amen. All right, you can sow your seed to Benny Ministries right now. Right there on the platform you're watching me on. Or you can go to our website, benahin.org. Or you can simply text BHM45777. And I'm asking many of you to become partners with our ministry. You know, just for $30 a month. Or if you can give 50 that'd be wonderful. But if you can't, just a dollar a day would be wonderful. To help me keep doing what I'm doing every day on social media. And now, finally, doors are, you know, opening up, you know, a little bit that, that I can travel and minister. And I'm, I have a, I really have a lot of invitations right now. I, I don't know that I'll take a lot of them because I want to keep this daily with you. So, but some of them I'll take and maybe I'll come to you from the road uh, in some cases. But I'm not going to stop dailies. I will not stop coming to you every day with the word of God. Much love and I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.